You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who? A fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now please, get off this planet. While you still have a choice. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. That's right, folks. Still no new Doctor Who. So we're here, we're talking to you, and we got a great crew to talk all about this awesome episode going from the fourth Doctor era. We are looking at the brains of Morbius. Oh, this one I've been looking forward to for quite some time. It's one of those that I don't know why it's been almost 30 years since I've seen it. Because watching it this last weekend, I was just like riveted just watching it and just like, this has so many implications with the new series. It's just like, it's pretty darn awesome. And we're going to talk all about it. And speaking of talking about it, let me introduce the panelists, co-hosts, or whatever you feel like calling these guys. Let's, of course, welcome Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you, sir? I am Peachy Keen, and thank you, a panelist and, and co-host. You know, that uh, I've been certainly called worse. Yeah, I thought so. At least, you know, we're not measuring you for your head, so it's okay. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, it is early. It's very true. And, of course, you just heard Mary Ogle. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Yep, it's very happy not to be talking about the Peter Davison era anymore, right? I am thrilled. <laughs> you do not know <laughs> joy I am expressing. Happy dance. You're doing a Kermit flare. We just can't see it right Ooh. now. And of course, joining us as our guest this week is Robert Ray. Welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk this uh, really great show with y'all. It's been a while, actually, since we've had you up here. Yeah, I know. It has. Well, I forget how long it goes, but eh, it's all right. Well, you know, life gets in the way and blah, 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 time flies, blah, 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 wibbly, wobbly, blah, blah, blah. Yep. Uh, but it's good to have you, sir. And, you know, when we were going over episodes that you'd want to be on, you said, we got to talk about this one. We got to talk about this one. Yeah. So what about this was so special for you? For me, um, it's basically when back, back when I was a child, I actually uh, had this, we had this cable uh, box and everything. And this one station which back then were the call letters of WWOR, and they were showing Doctor Who on at 10 o'clock in the morning. So I struck a deal with my sister. It's like, okay, I'll watch Doctor Who this week, and you can watch cartoons next week. Well, that was a big mistake because it was on for an hour. And what I saw were the first two episodes of The Brain of Morbius. At that time, I didn't realize what it was until I rediscovered it again on PBS and then came up to uh, from the Arkham Space all the way up 
to something that's like, wait a minute, this looks familiar. And all of a sudden it clicked. It's like, oh my gosh, I finally get to see this episode, this full episode from beginning to end without missing a beat. So, you know, it, it, it holds a special place in my heart too, because it was the first thing I'd ever seen. It was a really riveting story. That's almost like a Frankenstein type story. And it was just wonderful to watch. That's awesome. Yeah. It's definitely the horror Moffat of that area. And so it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome to have you here to talk all about it, folks. Absolutely. <laughs> of course, we want to hear from you guys at home, too. Please write us. We'd like to hear from you talking about what what about this one it is so special. You know, what has the feel to it? What does it mean to you? Please write us, of course, at EarthStationWho at ESONetwork.com. Remember, that's a new email address, so feel free to write us there. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. We do have a piece of email, but we'll read it at the end of the show. So until then, let's get started. Since there's no Doctor Who news, let's jump right in to this wonderful episode. Doctor Era, we are looking at The Brains of Morbius, which was the fifth serial of the 13th season and aired from the 3rd to the 24th of January, 1976. God, I was nine years old already at that point. Yes, now you're finding out how old I really am, kids. (laughs) So it's pretty awesome. And it actually shows the Doctor and Sarah uh, being, I guess, landing unintentionally on the planet Karn, and it goes from there. Is it unintentionally? Well, he was yelling at the Time Lords. What? He was yelling at the Time Lords at the beginning of this. He blamed it on the Time Lords. Uh, Later on, the Sisters of Karn blame it on the Time Lords. I think that there's, uh, it's implied at one point that it might be uh, uh, Solon that is, it's his fault. But we don't really get an answer, I don't think, straight up as to wh- how they end up there. No, they leave it open-ended, but I, my, I was always leaning towards the Time Lords engineered it. Yeah, it, and it's interesting. Do you think that the sisters were right about why the Time Lords sent him there? Oh, to steal the elixir? Yeah, no, I think it was more that they wanted him to restart the flame. But who knows? Wow, you are giving the Time Lords a lot of credit. Am I like, being... Have the Time Lords been that beloved? I'm being... Well, I didn't say they weren't doing it for their own ends. <laughs> they didn't care at all about the Sisterhood. <laughs> In fact, this is another story of a Time Lord gone bad. Like, you know, I'm beginning to think that the Doctor and is one of the only Time Lords that isn't bad. No, that's a good possibility because, yeah... A lot of them are very manipulative, and we saw that throughout the old series a lot, actually. With the exception of Romano, of course. Of course. <laughs> but yeah, Morbius, not a nice brain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And they, you know, it's interesting because, you know, it shows a whole other, you know, era of the Time Lords that had never really been talked about before. And it's. It was really interesting. The doctor knew Karn right away when he found out where they were. 
And yeah, he said he was, didn't he say he was like, he was born or he grew up not too far from there? Yeah, within a couple billion miles of there. <laughs> yeah, right. That's pretty close compared to like, you know, where a lot of places where he is. Mm-hmm. So, and it was just interesting, but you know, I loved the sisterhood. The sisterhood was awesome. And I loved how, you know, then that ties right into when they brought the sisterhood back in the eighth doctor's regeneration. Yeah, I had to go back and watch that just out of nostalgia. <laughs> it's uh is it still hold up? It does, actually. It really does. I mean connecting with this. It does. In fact, yeah, it was nice watching it after after reconnecting with this. I'd seen this before, but you know, thirty years ago, forty sure. years ago. So I didn't didn't remember much besides there was a sisterhood of corn and a brain. <laughs> Exactly. This one was really interesting because it did have the horror, you know, the Frankenstein feel like it's already been brought up and it was just, it was fun to, you know, go through the story and the horror of when the creature that was going to become the body of Morbius uh, set up without its head. That was just like, Oh, 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 I didn't need to see the wires sticking out and everything. It was just like, that was really well done. Yeah, they did do that well. And it's, this is just, this episode is so much fun to watch. It's like watching an old 50s horror movie. And it's, yeah, there's some plot holes and things, but who cares? It's it's just a blast watching them run around. And um, Sarah is, uh, Elizabeth Sladen is great in this. I mean, she is just acting her little heart out. I, when, when she's blind, she's really, you know, she re- she acts like she's generally confused and upset and terrified. And it's, it's, it's was originally written by Terrence Dix, but it was rewritten by Robert Holmes. And it really feels like Robert Holmes to me. Yeah. I think it's a nice combination of the two of them, actually. I mean, I know that it, that it, <laughs> at the time Terrence didn't appreciate being rewritten, but, um, but yet I think, I think it works to the benefit of the story because it's, it's just so much, it's just so much and it's so rich with so many, like, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the Frankenstein themes are there. The other Frankenstein elements are there, but the whole sisterhood of Karn thing takes it into an interesting direction. Add to that some time Lord, you know, uh, lore with Morbius himself. And it just, I mean, it's, it's so deep and rich, um, of, of stuff that it's, I'm surprised it took so long for someone to follow up with any of this. Oh, sure. Of course. And, you know, leave it to Moffat to be the one who did it. Did the sisterhood ever appear any other place other than those two, two episodes? Don't think there was another one. Yeah. There was another one with the 12th. Doctor. Yeah. The, yeah. I forgot which one that one. Peter met them. Yes. Yeah, he did. I think was it once or was it twice? I want to say twice. I think it That's was twice. What I, was I mean, wasn't there a two-parter that had? <laughs> anyway, but yes, we do see them again. We also see something similar to them in the in the tenth Doctor episode with Donna. Yeah, yeah the fire, the fires of Pompeii. Yeah, yeah. very similar yeah. actually. Even the women. Very similar. And, you know, how they even had, like, you know, the dancing and the the choreography in this was just awesome. 
because uh-huh. the choreography was just it was just neat to see and you know them dancing around the fire and everything like that it does say here sorry i looked it up um <laughs> it says here that uh the um Karn and the Sisterhood reappear in 2015 in a mini prologue to the 12th Doctor story, The Magician's Apprentice. Um, and, and then that's when we get into the Time Lord's will, his last will and testament. So she's the one uh, that's supposed to deliver it to somebody. Um, and then they also appear in the broadcast episode itself. And then in Hellbent, the sisterhood appears unannounced to the high council. They actually appear in California. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yes. So, yes. That's the first time we see them outside of Karn. Uh, so, um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, they, so yeah, um, uh, Moffat puts them to good use, uh, in, in, yeah. in his later, uh, run there. So, um, and yeah, he has a lot of fun with them and they're great. I mean, they're, they're, they, they look cool. Like they have a cool visual look to them. I really appreciated sort of the 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 dance and the, the the whispering, you know, sacred flame, sacred fire, you know, like I just I, just, I don't know, it just really had a cool vibe to it. And this not only is the story really good, but the casting of this story is amazing. Oh, very much so. The casting, I love the actor who was playing, you know, with scoring. It was just awesome. Uh, oh yeah, Philip Maddock. I mean, it's hard. To, I mean, he's been in. Uh, this was talked to him many, a few times before. Yeah. It's hard to believe this is the same guy who is like you know he plays like Bill Gates right in War Games. Yes. <laughs> no, it wasn't Bill Gates. He was uh, which is the Apple guy. Steve oh Jobs. right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Steve Jobs. Right. Yes, Steve Jobs before he was Steve Jobs. It was. Awesome. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think Steve Jobs took fashion tips from him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, that I mean, he's great. Uh, just d- gives a great performance, and uh, and yeah, everybody else. Condo, uh, uh, Colin Frey plays uh, Frey plays Condo. Okay, I do. Uh, I do have to say this. The first time I saw Condo, when you just saw his outline and shadow, I was like, uh-huh. Adric? What? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> wow. He had the same haircut. He had the same build at first. Because you didn't see but, No, no. A- yeah. Adric comes after this. Yes, I know. But it was just like, wow, is this the prelogue to him? <laughs> uh, Adric could only hope to be this interesting. Oh. Poor, <laughs> poor Adric. Wow, yeah, I'm going to get... Uh, Edric fans are going to throw out the hate emails to me. <laughs> yeah. The Edric fan? What? Yeah. Yep. The Edric fan. <laughs> That's my sister, believe it or not. Well, we're sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I had to deal with it all day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. <laughs> but uh, the sisters, uh, Marin, like, they're just, they're just classic. They're great. They're great fun. They have a lot of they have a lot of fun playing this, but they play it in that British theatrical over the top way. But it feels it's contained in this universe, so it feels all right. It doesn't feel like it's too over the top because it fits this. And look, if you're acting against Tom Baker, in order to keep up, you have to turn it. You have to dial that up to eleven or twelve. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Well, the the one uh, I guess you know Marin's uh, assistant. What was her name? Orca. 
And it was funny. I don't know if she could open her eyes any wider. The whole time. That surprise look the whole time. <laughs> she had a little too much of the elixir of life. Uh, Tom himself is amazing in this. Uh, just uh, has a lot of fun right from the opening. I mean, when they're, when it starts raining and they head up to the castle and his, his umbrella is so broken and battered and he doesn't even offer it to Sarah Jane. <laughs> like, he's just carrying this broken, uh, beat up umbrella up to the door. And when, when Gondo uh, opens the door, his first words are, do you have a glass of water? <laughs> like, it's just so ridiculous. Oh, and I loved it when they opened the door. There was that one little thing where they had like a little water spout or something, pretending that was the rain. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was just like, yeah, they turned on the shower head or something. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, ah, oh, do you mind if we come in? Uh, just Tom was great in this. It was pure, pure Tom. And I loved when he was having the hissy fit. I'm going to sit here and play with my yo-yo. <laughs> yeah. Just at the yeah. Time He's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. The Time Lords are making me do this, and I don't want to be here. And that was before he knew he was on Karn, I think. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, and Buster Out Sarah Jane is just like, you know, please, let's have an adventure. I'm going. I'm going. Like, isn't this interesting? And he's like, nope, nope. It's almost as bad as when he, like, later on when he uh, goes fishing. During the key to the time. No, I know. Oh, yeah. That's how amazing it was, you know. But Tom Tom was just, he was great, and he had chemistry with everyone in this episode. And that was the best part about it. He worked really well with everybody, and everyone was on their game in this. Yeah, this to me is like, I mean, this is the era. This is my jam. This is uh, the Love Philip Hinchcliffe. Hinchcliffe. Yeah. yeah. Tom Baker, uh, you know, first with Sarah and then with Leela, like that, that two or three year run is just, there's not many duds in, in the chamber, like at all, like all the stories are rich and some are better than others, but I think this is one of the best ones as far as everything just coming together and working. I mean, even, you know, I think even the, the, the body, uh, the monster of Morbius looks okay it doesn't look like you know that shameful really then they know how to light it right it's not like in broad it's not like not under fluorescence yeah yeah it's not like we're just going to show this in broad daylight and expose how bad it looks no they actually do it they do a good job of giving the whole thing kind just kind of a creepy you know mad scientist layer type of feel i mean i I was really enjoying that it does always remind me, though, of uh, the 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 monster and robot monster. Uh, yes, you know, you with the helmet. The, with the helmet and the gorilla suit. Yes. It always does kind of remind me of that a little bit. It is. Yeah, yeah it looks very much so. It, it was better without without the helmet. <laughs> without the head? Yeah, it really was. Yeah, it was, it was scarier looking. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about scary looking. Can you imagine if he was successful and actually put Tom's head on that thing? Oh, God. <laughs> that would look so frightening. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> I really don't want to. I, I was picturing it. It's like, no, 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 no. 
Back off. Don't I go think there. One of my things. But it was, it, there's a lot it was of very interesting. In too. It was interesting, though, because they were going, he was going completely after Tom's head. You know, he kept on saying, I need a humanoid. Why wasn't he going after Sarah's? Was her head not big enough for the brain? Well, he actually said something about that. Yeah. And once he found out that he was a time lord, which that was it. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was the perfect hit. No Although time. why he couldn't just put him in his body, I don't know. Like why he couldn't use, like why did he have to use this monster of a body? Like, because, it, it, you know, he kind of backed up. Like at first he was like, well, you know, you might not, because Morbius was like, just put me in anything. And he's like, no, no, you're going to be concerned with how you look. Yeah, because and the like, body's so beautiful. <laughs> I'm like, have you seen that body? (laughs) I think that was just, Solon was just having fun. You know, that was his thing. It was just a joke. But there, I mean, there's a lot of dark humor here. Like I love, I love where like the brain gets dumped on the floor and Solon wretches (laughs) over and then he's like, oh, oh, it's okay. He's fine. (laughs) It's like, what is this? What is this? The brand of Morbius or young Frankenstein? Or is it Frankenstein? No. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I kept on thinking that every time I saw the lightning, it was like. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, of course, you know, we needed a Frappler car. So it would have been cool. Yes. But you know, I think one of the things I was, I was thinking about with the brain and everything is when Sarah, basically she couldn't, obviously couldn't see at the time with her interaction with, with Morbius and the way he was reacting to her is like, no, the timeline sent you and everything made it seem like he was just completely off his game and off his rocker, completely uh, losing it. It's like, he's just scared of everything, even though he's just there as a brain. I mean, he's supposed to be safe or at least he thinks he is, but you know, Mm -hmm. exactly. And it's like, Sarah's got these two great moments. One is where she's like looking for the doctor, looking for the doctor and he gets beamed off to, you know, the sisterhood. And so she's like looking in the lab and then she like pulls the curtain and there's that body is like, ah, and then, so I think that's actually a, a, an end, right? A cliffhanger ending. Yeah. I think it's the end of the first part. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then that like, that shows up that that sort of foreshadows later on when she finally gets her sight back. She's like, I can see, I can see. The first thing she sees is the Morbius monster body. She's like, ah, (laughs) I wish I was blind again. (laughs) She starts clawing her eyes out. I don't want to see. Sarah was not having a good day. No, Um, No. but you know, this is, this is the, this is the spunky Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane that I love so much because right from the beginning, she cannot be stopped. She's not, you know, she wants to explore. She wants to find out what's going on. This is the reporter, uh, Sarah Jane, that has to get to the truth. Um, even when she's blind, it doesn't stop her. She goes she goes right out there on her, like in the rocks on the cliff and everything. It's like, uh, that's kind of dangerous, girl. But she, she is not to be stopped in this. And she does actually save him uh, a couple times, I think. Nope, exactly. So it's Sarah was great, and I loved, you know, just you know how even when she was blind, she went out into the rocks like you were mentioning, Mike, and you know she almost made it, and then she got caught again. I was like, of course, right? And he, yeah, but I mean, she just like she's not to. Well, I mean, obviously, she didn't want to drink the 
Like, I don't blame her because you. I think we find out later that that same thing that the, the same green stuff that they're drinking is the stuff that the brain's in. Like, I'm like, oh my god, that's like, yeah, that's pretty gross. Yeah, I don't want to think about that. But thank you for that. No. Yeah. But you know that Rob that Robin Bland wrote a good episode. I thought it was. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why didn't he write more? Mm-hmm. Would have been great. That that Robert Bland had quite a career ahead of him. Now, and the thing is, I thought Solon died way too, you know, basically, I think that was my weak point for this, that, you know, how he just was killed by the cyanide gas. Yeah, he doesn't just die. The doctor kills him. Yeah, the doctor literally kills him. The doctor's like, how can we stop him? Oh, I know. Deadly gas. (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to use chemical warfare on him. I'm like, wow, that's That's dark. That's dark. (laughs) That's really dark. Very much. Like, oh, I, you know, those people are like, oh, the doctor doesn't use a gun. Oh, no. He used yeah, exactly. cyanide gas. <laughs> I use science, not weaponry. Exactly. Yeah. All you have to do, Sarah, is put these two chemicals together and, and look what <laughs> yeah. happens. Thank you, Mr. Doctor. pretty quite gas. lethal about it. <laughs> yeah, because... Yeah. Because let's, I mean, I hate to like, you know, harp on the one that we did last episode, but like that doctor is like, I don't want to use this gas on aliens. It's mean. It's cruel. Meanwhile, the fourth doctor is like, yeah, just gas it. Like, <laughs> just gas it. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, dumbass Morbius doesn't have a nose. So it's just like, yeah, no wonder he survived. But, but then he probably didn't realize that Morbius was actually operational i guess you could say but you know he was trying to stop from morbius actually being animated well he was kind of stupid where he's like you dismantle him i'm gonna go away for a few minutes and then come back and i expect him to be dismantled (laughs) and i'm sure that absolutely sure that you will follow my directions while i step out and don't exactly don't don't you think about locking the door behind me (laughs) so scolding him like a child is gonna really work okay sure all right, go ahead. And Sarah's like, don't you have anything to worry about? He's like, ah, he's got it. <laughs> I trust this guy. You know, he's only only had to try to kill me four different times <laughs> the last ten hours, you know? He doesn't need my head now. You know, also, Morbius's death is kind of anticlimactic because they just push him over a cliff. Yeah. yeah. But it's the sisters who do yes. it, so that's pretty Oh, yeah. I love that it's the sisters. Oh, the sisters were awesome. They were, do- you know, it's like it felt that felt like right out of Frankenstein, right there. Oh, oh sure, yeah, the, yeah. the the crowd with the the torches and yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, it was obvious. They they referred several times to Frankenstein, and you know, of course, you had to have uh, Morbius falling in the what, two thousand foot drop right there that just happened to be there, and you see him spinning down into the right. valley. It's very very convenient. That was top of the line back then. Mm. Mm-hmm. We'll move. <laughs> we'll move the model down there. Don't worry about that. Yeah. So yeah, just I, ignore the pixelations. I, I'm still, you know, puzzled by the whole like, you know, the the ships are being drawn here because it is, it is kind of implied that it is Solon or because Solon's certainly taking advantage of it. I mean, the, the show, the, the story opens with this gruesome, uh, condo, like scene where Kondo's hunting down this, 
this creature for its head. And it's just, it's one of the most gruesome openings I think of a Doctor Who story ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're kind of led to believe, okay, though, so he's bringing him in so he can get body parts for this thing. Uh, but then we find out later that the sisterhood is like just, they don't want to be found or whatever, right? So they're just like nabbing ships. Uh, they're like, they're basically if they pass anywhere near us, and we're gonna crash <laughs> we're them. A, we're gonna take them down. <laughs> like uh, that's a way to stay hidden, I guess. And they seem completely unconcerned about Solon. I mean, they know he's a bad guy. They know he's up to no good, but they basically just ignore him until he he bothers well, he them. Does. Directly, he does say that they he treated them and he so he helped them uh, a few times. Even so, well, true. Well, they're not um, they're not that bright. I mean, obviously, there's there's that whole element, and this is really cool, like element two, because it's there's really this thing where the doctor says, uh, "Death is all about change. You don't change unless people die." And of course, this is coming from a guy who's not ever going to die, but. <laughs> Like he's like saying, like you know, it's time for like death is re- is is required. Otherwise, you're going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again until you get some new blood in there. Um, and it's a really kind of interesting kind of thing theory that he puts out there, which I don't think is an element that Doctor Who talks about a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's problematic, like you brought up, because he doesn't die, though he would say he does die. Well, yeah, I mean, he he does get new blood put in him, so to speak. So, I mean, I guess there's that. Uh, I mean, as as Mike always likes to say, the show is about change, even though, you know, a lot of it, elements of it stay the same throughout the 50 years that it's been on. That's true. That is very, very true. And I also think, you know, I'm also reminded pretty easily on, uh, and I think I'm reminded of this every time we watch a classic story from, from like the seventies or eighties, but uh, I never think to mention it. And maybe if I have, so forgive me, but like, right when you see the TARDIS, I'm like, man, that thing looks like shit. <laughs> oh my God. That's like one of the worst versions of the TARDIS I've ever seen. <laughs> like, like if that was at a con, nobody would get their picture taken. <laughs> Oh, it looked like the, they just globbed paint onto it and didn't let it dry, and they kept on putting layers and layers on it. It's like, you made this? Uh, but it's screen accurate! <laughs> Who cares? I loved it when the sisters had transported Tom over to their you know, church or citadel or whatever they were at, and they he woke up and said, oh, teleportation, how quaint. <laughs> <laughs> it was like such a time lord jerk. I'm like, I'm like, part of me is like, is that a shot at Star Trek? Oh, I thought it was completely. <laughs> so it was just like, yeah, that that was pretty funny. And you know, there was a lot of good in this. You know, there was just the story did not ever let down, and I thought it just moved completely, and that was pretty awesome. Especially after last episode. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, we didn't have to go far to get better than last episode, but but this was really a step above. It's just so much fun to watch. Very much so, and that's what that's cool about it. So I definitely think you know there's a lot of cool stuff. The one thing we got to talk about, 
the battle between Morbius and uh, the Doctor. The battle. Yep. <laughs> the battle of the brains. The brains. And, you know, they literally had to go find people, you know, in the crew to dress them up to make them look time lordy. Yeah. Yeah. Because apparently it's never come up in the show. And the show's been on quite uh, like a, a lot by this time. And that you'd think that they'd answered a lot of questions about some of the backstory to him, but they hadn't really decided if Hartnell was the first incarnation. And this one suggests that they were like, oh, no, he definitely wasn't. No, they the way they were doing it, there was like five or six before yeah, Hartnell. There were a bunch of them before. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 shortly after this that they come up with the idea that Time Lords are limited to 12. Which I don't know. I'm like, okay, did they think that through while watching this one? <laughs> because I think there's more than 12 there. Maybe not. Maybe there's like eight or 10. I don't know. I lost count. Right. Well, you also don't know. They could have been Morbius in other regenerations. No, they're not. I know. No. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, that's how I took it. You know, I, mean, I sure. figured it was Morbius. We can, I'll give you a no prize for that. Yeah, I think the implication <laughs> is definitely it's the implication is it's the doctors earlier. Uh, I mean, Hinchcliffe have actually, you know, even said in the behind the scenes stuff, we tried to get like pictures of famous actors for faces of the doctor, but because we had to pay them, uh, we thought we'd use the crew and then equity kind of slapped them with some fun. Uh, so they had to like pay anyway, but um, not as much, obviously, but they wouldn't try to get famous actors to be the faces if they were just going to be like, yeah, this is just Morpheus. So, so in, in Philip's mind, and most of the guys, I guess, who were working on it at the time, they weren't in the impression, I guess, that Hartnell was not the first. Well, they wanted you to go, they wanted you to question it and talk about it, kind of like what we're doing right now. And it worked. <laughs> I don't know that they did. I don't I don't get the feeling that when they were doing these that they were really concerned with like that much continuity. Um I think they just thought it would be cool and that no one would ever see it again in like two years and people would forget about it. True. Well, you know, it's the same way when they said that, you know, there was twelve regenerations. They never thought Doctor Who would last that long. Right. And everything. They they thought, oh, Doctor Who only has, you know, Maybe, you know, one or two regenerations and that's it. So, totally understand that. And another thing is, too, the the people that made this, they didn't think that, oh, people are going to see this over and over again. They're going to own it in their own homes. They never thought of it that, that back then. Why they destroyed, I hate to say it, why they destroyed some of the episodes because they had no room in their archives, which is a darn shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that stuff was going on while this one was being produced. Exactly. Exactly. Craziness. I mean, if if just during, just in 1976, if the BBC had paid more attention to, you know, uh, saving Doctor Who, we'd have probably, you know, twice as many stories that we have now, you know? Oh, of course. From those first two incarnations. Very true. so yeah, I you know I don't I I think they just made stuff up as story to story, 
And occasionally, if a, if they got another writer that the, the same writer comes in, like he knows in his mind about some continuity. But I mean, there's not, you know, certainly to the level that they do now. Where I mean, think about what a big deal it was for the Key of Time to do a, a like a whole story like for a, uh, throughout a whole season. That was that was groundbreaking for them. True. That's very true. You know. You know, if you could have, you know, gone back in time and say, hold on, do not tape over those. Please don't. <laughs> I'll take them. Yeah, exactly. Well, hold on to them. You know, be <laughs> that's so- what I do. I'd be like, I'd be like <laughs> when, that's why they disappeared because I grabbed right. them all. And I went back in time yeah. and grabbed them all. Couldn't they just rent an attic or something? I mean, you know, I know. You really have to destroy them. Oh, yeah. yeah. We need to make. We need to use those tapes. Because yeah, a lot of that stuff they just taped over. <laughs> yeah, I think most uh-huh. of it just taped over. With, yeah, because that was all videotape. And I think the uh, I know the entire first season of the Avengers is all gone too. Mm-hmm. And that, oh yeah, so they over that as well. It wasn't but, just you know. Doctor Who that was singled out. Oh no, it wasn't just that. No, so, yeah. I couldn't think of any others besides the Avengers and Doctor Who. But still, it was just a a black mark in the BBC's history. Yeah. I mean, you, you would hope that, you know, you would think that they would be, they themselves would want to preserve everything that they've done, but there just wasn't that, that foresight to think that anybody would care after a few years. Um, and yeah, certainly, you know, with all the inconsistencies, I mean, that's kind of what makes being a Doctor Who fan or a fan of anything like this that's been on for so long and has all these like bumps in continuity you know, you get to use your imagination, to try to fit it, you know, try to figure it out, you know, and that's, that's fun. And, you know, we've seen, we've seen uh, later showrunners try to do that. Moffat was really like amazing, I think, at doing that. Yeah, he loved going back and trying to, to fill those mm-hmm. Like make connections or try to, you know, band-aid over things a little bit. Mm-hmm. And like, like was mentioned before with the fact that we finally got to see the eighth doctor regenerated into the war doctor, which, you know, it was brilliant. I thought it was a great thing he did just to, just to kind of bridge the gap. And even after, um, with the day of the doctor, when the war doctor regenerated in, into the ninth doctor. So, you know, we all got to see every single doctor regenerate except for the second to the third, but you know, that was off screen. So. Nope. Totally understand that. And, you know, we always were like, Oh, that's when it happened. But if you also remember, you kind of got the war doctor and, you know, you got to see some of the holes, like you kept on saying, taped over. You got to see little hints at what things were becoming. Uh-huh. And but the, it's a lot of those actually ended up going, actually asking more questions. And you're like going, oh, great. We got this instead. <laughs> I I always forget. I mean, they make a big deal about the whole brain battle where we see all the incarnations. But one thing that I really like in this, that's a nice touch because Tom's doctor doesn't do it much. He does not. And none of the doctors, none of the classic doctors really refer to their, their past very often. They just, they just don't. But there's a really nice moment where when, you know, Solon's first talking about his head and and he's and right in the beginning he's like, oh, do you like it? It used to be like I used to have like a lot of gray up here. Some people liked it, and Sarah goes, I liked it, and it's just it's such a nice, <laughs> cute moment. 
I th- oh, I thought it was like, oh, yeah. Because it's like you always forget she was with the third doctor also. And so I like, said. Yeah. And, and she bonded. That was the first doctor she bonded with. Yep. Exactly. Kind of like. And, the- and it's great to watch the, her act, interact with both of them because it's a little different, but she still has great chemistry with both of them. And they're very different. Yes. And even when Sarah Jane actually reconnected with the third doctor and the five doctors, it was just pretty much the same thing. Like nothing had changed, even though she was past uh, traveling with the doctor from his fourth incarnation. And then, he, then here she is coming across his third incarnation again. And it was just, I thought it was just great the way she keeps interacting with them the same way she did in the, in uh, the early episodes. Yeah, that's true. That is really, really true. So, you know, I think we've been talking about this for a bit now. Any final thoughts before we go ahead and rate this? It was too, too violent. Um, I'm with Mary Whitehouse on this one. This was like, this was crossing. Let's <laughs> just cross the line of what uh, good taste was and, and, you know, protect the children. Think of the children. Think of the children. Oh, goodness. Oh. Well, I, it was great because I was watching some of the bonus material on this, and they were saying, I think what pushed it over the line was the brain falling onto the floor. I know. Yeah. Not not Tom Baker almost getting on fire. Like, that's actually a scary scene. I'm like, how did his scarf not get on fire? Like, it's just like, that's amazing. But he's surrounded by all these flames, and I was generally worried about Tom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and from what I hear, for with good reason, because uh, he almost uh, he almost did get burned a little bit. Exactly, it's crazy, and it's just like playing with fire. Oh joy! And you know, they, it was an interesting scene. The the women dancing around it, and you know, just all, and even Sarah getting into that a little bit. I loved how when she had the little you know wrench from Tom's pocket, pulled it out and cut the ropes with it. Mm-hmm. It's just like. That was pretty funny. It was just, I, I enjoyed it. So let's go ahead and rate one out of five TARDISes, one being the worst, five being the best. Mary, you got to go first tonight. Oh boy. I'm, I am going to give this a four. And, and the reason I'm not giving it say a five is, is because there are some, some things that, that took me out of it. Like, like the scene where Sarah Jane's with, the sisters of Karn, I'm like, how, how can they not notice that she's there? It's kind of obvious, but, um, but it, this is just a, a seriously fun series of episodes that I highly recommend people go back and rewatch because it, because it actually has a lot of seeds and what happens later on in Doctor Who. And, and it's just a, it's a blast. So I'm giving it a good solid four. Okay. Robert. Yes. I would actually also give it a four. Um, there were some good bits in there, but there were some that to me just didn't seem to work well with the story. But uh, like um, um, the fact that like, like where it said that Morbius was kind of going crazy and everything and the sisterhood were right there. And I'm like, really, we're going to go here. He's like afraid of them or something. He's this, he's this creature. And, and he could do whatever he can because that uh, body, I think, had a lot of strength behind it or something. So, but I guess it was his mind that was going, going berserk or something. But I, I wasn't really 
captured on that moment at all. So, but I still give it a four. Okay. Mikey. Well, I was debating uh, on this one because I knew it was coming, obviously. And I was like, oh, four seems too low. Five seems too high. Four and a half. I'm like, that seems like a cop out. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to round up and give it a five. Like, okay. this is one of my, this is one of my favorite fourth doctor stories. This is one of my favorite doctor who stories. This is, this is what I love. This is what like made me really love doctor who like, this is what I really love. And I know like, the, you know, different people have different things that they love about it, but I love this era. I love doctor who when it's kind of creepy and has that hammer uh, horror vibe, um, sort of like hammer junior, um, if you will. Uh, Tom's great. The whole cast in this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's little potholes and everything like that, and and some of the stuff is like doesn't make sense. But but for the most part, they just go through it, and you just have so much fun watching it that even even in the things that like kind of are criticisms of it, you just kind of like like yeah, that's okay because we're having so much fun, and that's that's what this this story was to me. Like just just Doctor Who at its most fun. And it seemed like everybody was on top of their game when they were doing it. The set designs. We didn't even talk about the set designs or the music. Both of those, great job on this story. Mm-hmm. Oh, very much so. The background music, the you know theme, and the whole you know feel was just awesome. Yeah, sometimes we've seen Doctor Who music get in the way. This was perfect, I thought. Agreed. Agreed, agreed. And that was part of the fun of it was just I enjoyed when it was coming through and the doctor was, you know, they built up the music, you know, with the sisterhood or in each area, the castle had some kind of music. The sisterhood had music when they were out in the field and the rocks and everything was a different feel. You know, it was just it was awesome. So I agree. So yeah, I'd give it a five. And, and, you know, uh, Robert kind of proved the point on this one. If it's your first Dr. Who story, it's not a bad one to be introduced to Dr. Who with, because it'll grab. No, not no. At all. no, you can become addicted to it. Just like someone else on the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so awesome. I'm going to give this one a four and a half. I enjoyed it a lot. It moved really quickly. It was entertaining. I couldn't believe it. I was already finishing the third episode before I looked at my watch for the first time. I was like, whoa, okay. But might as well just finish it. And it was pretty darn awesome. Definitely would recommend this somebody for the first time. Or if you hadn't seen Doctor Who in a long time, come back, watch this one. It's really fun. And I know it's actually uh, being aired on Pluto TV whenever the heck they air it, you know. Right. So there you go. This is one that if they if they did one of those uh, Fathom events, I would love to see this on the big screen. Oh, that oh would yes. Be fun. Yeah. I wonder if eventually if we'll see this one on Blu-ray. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, they better put all of the Tom ones on Blu-ray. Oh, they should. Well, they've gotten the first and the last, so you never know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they wasted their time with the last, but well, the Adric fan club, of course. Uh, of course, of course. Yes. the huge, huge Adric contingent of fans that demanded it. Demanded well, it. Well, I mean, I mean, there were some good stories even with Adric there, but you know, whatever. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait a minute. So, time out. So, does that mean because Peter's first year is on Blu-ray, right? Yes. Yes. So yes, it is. you can get Adric's entire run on Blu-ray, right? Yes. 
<laughs> wow. Up until the time he snuffed it. It's amazing. From his introduction to his snuffing it. <laughs> they should have just made a Blu-ray set called The Life and Times of Adam. <laughs> <laughs> An Adric box set. All right, we did get a piece comes, comes of mail here. Star. A little yes. star badge. Exactly. It comes with your own personal star badge, dude. Come on. <laughs> All right. Uh, we actually got a letter from one of our patrons, actually. Woo-hoo. Yes. They're like, I'm paying for this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and basically... You guys ragged on my favorite story. Actually, it was a good story that, you know, he wrote about, so... All right, sit back, folks. He said, hi, Whovians. Listening to you now, talking about Warriors of the Deep, I first saw Peter Davison as the younger, really irresponsible, alcoholic brother of the vet who founded the Pactors in All Creatures Great and Small on Masterpiece Theater, which I saw in my local PBS station. I discovered Doctor Who some years later with Tom Baker as the doctor on an independent UHF station over 100 miles away, late at night, and a little fuzzy. It was still wonderful. No one had explained to me that the doctor changes rather than dying. I didn't know that of anything like that or of anyone else who knew the show. So when Peter Davison appeared when Tom had just been, I didn't take it well. I knew actors aren't their characters, but was constantly reminded of Tristan from The Problem Drinker. Decades later, a local friend spoke up about Davison. I gave him a chance. Since then, I've completely enjoyed Davison, and I've heard good things about him as a person, especially with fans. So it's good listening to you, even when one of you fell asleep watching. I'm going to run back the progress bar and listen again when I'm not trying to write at the same time. What about the drought? I don't recall I've heard discussing Big Finish Doctor Who, but from what I've read, the quality varies, and that means we need we fans need solid, carefully, unbiased reviews of Big Finish episodes. I do recall that what I've heard didn't make clear about which episodes they were finding fault with. Please cover Big Finish. I want to support them, but I'm poor, and I can't afford to encourage their lesser efforts. Gotta go to work. Thanks much, Bill L. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. And, you know, thank you for being a patron of the ESO network. And I do agree with a lot of his stuff. You know, it's, you know, sometimes if you don't know what's going on, you know, Tom was so popular. And if you didn't know that the doctor regenerates, that was probably a huge shock to you. Yeah, absolutely. for me, because I, I, it happened to me because I started watching with Tom Baker. Then all of a sudden, here comes Peter Davison. So, mm-hmm. yep. yes, I know the feeling. The moment has been prepared for. <laughs> yeah. not, not for me. I wasn't prepared. What does he mean by that? I don't know what he means. And then all of a but, sudden, uh, I uh, yeah. I mean, I also think. Look, I mean, I know that you know. I don't feel. I don't feel guilty, but I do feel. A little bit bad because, like, yeah, people who must have there are people out there who probably love Warriors of the Deep, right? That that there's stuff about it that they just love, and maybe it's not logical, but they do because it's just got some stuff in there that they absolutely adore. Um, and yeah, we are not those people, <laughs> so, so that was really tough. Uh, but um, you know, like, you know, that's good that we have people that that feel comfortable enough to let us know. 
that you know that there's people who think that um other ways and yes. uh, i'm glad for that because i want people to feel comfortable saying hey i like that like i even though we didn't care for it i don't want ever anybody to get the impression that we're of the opinion that you know we love it and you don't so your opinion doesn't matter i love hearing from people who have you know opposing views as far as that goes um especially when they're as polite as he is no exactly and you know Bill has written us before for other things and it's awesome when you can actually, you know, have civil discussion about things that maybe you don't see eye to eye on, or if you do agree on things, it's just great to have a good discussion. And that's why we'd like doing the podcast here. And, and Bill, we have done a lot of big finish on the show. <laughs> you just have so to go have- back to our archives. Yeah, go back to our archives. There's been a lot of uh, Big Finish stuff that uh, we've even done a Big Finish with the Fifth Doctor, haven't we? Yeah, yes. we did Spare Parts yes. with the Cyber And that is a very right. big one. Yes. Some of the, I think we all agree that some of the Big Finishes for some of the Doctors, we like more than their actual uh, televised episodes. And We're looking at you, Colin Baker. We are looking <laughs> yes. at you. Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm still a Colin Baker fan regardless, but still. The the audios are so much better. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Oh, I'm actually trying to think of a of a big finish that we just didn't care for at all. Certainly, I don't think we've ever given uh, a Warriors of the Deep rating to any big finish that we've listened to. No, no, no I don't think we have. Let's... And we are getting ready to do big finish again. It's funny he mentions that because we are getting ready to do big finish again really soon. Actually, speaking of that, we're doing it next week. <laughs> <laughs> How about that for timing, man? Yes, we are finishing off our summer with another summer of song. That's right. We are looking at River Song, the diary of her. We're looking at the diary of River Song, volume three. And it's going to be a lot of fun because she gets to meet the fifth doctor, of all things. <laughs> Woo! Wow. The enthusiasm is just <laughs> building over here. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll be talking all about that next week or next time we awesome. join you. And for those people who want to know a little bit more about uh, Big Finish and like the Sisters of Karn, I just discovered that there is a Big Finish adventure featuring the sisters called Sisters of the Flame, which stars uh, the Paul McGann Doctor. And also uh, has a, features Alexander Siddig in it for, for Deep Space Nine fans. So uh, I'm actually going to probably seek this one out because I'm really curious to hear about this. So are they going to just capture the Doctor and try to tie him up again the whole time? It was it was released in 2008, and I'm trying to in my head is that before or after the Paul McGann that they actually filmed with the Sisters of Color? Oh, that was way before. Yeah, that was definitely before. So that was so. Wait, Sisters of the Flame was before that. Yes, because okay. the regeneration story that they did for it was 2013. Okay, so yeah, so Paul McGann actually has a history with the sisters before that. How cool is that? Yep. And of yeah. course, the follow-up was the Vengeance of Morbius, which is a, a continuation of Morbius's. Oh, uh, that's right. Era. I am looking at that. Yeah, the next one, it's like a, like the, yeah, the, it's a two parter. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the first part is Sisters of the Flame, and the second part is a sequel to uh, Morbius. Exactly. Hey, folks, there's some big finish right there. 
They should be writing us checks. That's right. <laughs> As we said earlier, we will be back again next week when we are going to be doing the Diary of River Song Volume 3. Should be lots of fun. Let me thanks for being here this week. Of course, Mary, thank you as always. Oh, thank you. This was a great episode to talk about. And you want to promote your artwork? Uh, you can find my art at maryogle.com or on Etsy at eVision Arts. And Mr. Mike. As always, it's my pleasure. Hey, always great to talk to you. And Robert. Yes, sir. You know, you've joined us once again, so you don't have to be on for another five, six years. It's perfect. <laughs> well, unless you want me for something else, it doesn't matter. I'm fine with anything. No, no, so. no, no. You don't want to overstay your welcome. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I said, five or six years, you'll, you'll be welcome back. By Believe me, yeah. it happened to me. Oh, I'm sure it did. Now you're a permanent resident. Exactly. Right? You start to get <laughs> hot, man. Exactly. We've tattooed his shape onto the back of the seat, so he can't leave. So it is awesome, folks, and, you know, we're very happy to be talking to you guys. We're coming up with DragonCon very, very soon. It's... Where we can talk to you live! Exactly. So join us tentatively at 1 p.m. on Saturday in the Brittrax room, where we're going to be talking what makes the doctor the doctor. Should be very interesting to do, and a great time. We have some great people lined up, including Mary, myself, and Mike. And we got a few guests joining us. So we will be talking to you live at DragonCon. And you'll be able to hear that in a few weeks up here on the podcast also, if you yes, can't make those, it to the con. Right. If you can't make it to the con, we will be uh, airing it as an episode. Exactly. In other words, it's a week off for us. So it's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So until then, my name is Mike Faber. We'll see you here next time on the Air Station Who podcast. Peace. And we're done. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. How deep? Dragon Con 2019 is fast approaching, so fill up your buckets of rum and keep up with the latest news, announcements, interviews, and mispronunciations of guest names as only the Con Report podcast crew can make. Let us be your guide each month as we count down to the big event on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite media player. Listen to the Dragon Con Con Report. It's almost as good as being there, but without the long lines, smelly gamers, and hangovers. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.